0: Hey, all. Welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, As always, head over to reallifepharmacology.com. Check out the free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. A great little resource for students and practicing healthcare professionals alike. I've uh, put uh, put in my most important uh, clinical pearls for the top 200 drugs. Uh, so definitely go check that out, uh, take advantage of that for free, and we get you updates when we've got uh, new podcasts and, and content available. All right, so let's talk about the drug of the day today. Uh, I am going to talk about cyclosporin, And if you remember in the previous uh, few weeks there, uh, I did talk about tacrolimus. Uh, so a lot of the information is, is going to be overlapping. They are from the same classification. They are both... Considered calcineurin inhibitors, uh, and of course immunosuppressives there as well. But there are a few, uh, you know, differences uh, that I, I wanted to uh, point out. One particularly, uh, with regard to uh, dosage form. So cyclosporin has some really really important uh, warnings regarding um, experienced physicians. And especially if we're considering changing from one dosage form to another, uh, they are generally not considered interchangeable. And you could run the risk, depending upon which one you're switching to, uh, run the risk of uh, toxicity or potentially subtherapeutic dosing. So um, common brand names uh, that I've, I've heard used with the use of cyclosporine, uh, Gengraf, Neoral, Sandimmune. And again, remember calcineurin inhibitors um, really uh, work on that adaptive immunity side of things and inhibit the activation of T-lymphocytes. And I went into a little bit more detail um, under the uh, tacrolimus section. So if you want to go back uh, and listen to, to that podcast, I talk a little bit more in depth about the, the mechanism of action, um, but I'm not going not to cover that today. I'm going to spend uh, some time on some, some other things here. So again, suppressing that immune system uh, is going to be critical um, in patients who are using cyclosporine uh, for transplant uh, rejection prevention, for example. Uh, but there are a couple of other uses that I have seen in clinical practice. Uh, pretty rare, and uh, cyclosporin is a pretty uh, down-the-line option, reserved generally for more severe refractory patients. But you do—you might occasionally see use see a drug like cyclosporin used for uh, autoimmune diseases, where again we we potentially try to suppress the immune system to a certain extent to uh, relieve symptoms of their disease, but obviously not try to uh, suppress it too much to where we uh, greatly increase the risk for uh, infection and or malignancy. So a few of those autoimmune diseases, um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, ulcerative colitis, um, cyclosporin can potentially have some some benefit there, uh, but we certainly have a lot of potential for risk as well when we talk about things like infection. So there is that uh, boxed warning for infection with cyclosporin, just like tacrolimus. Um, there's also a boxed warning. Uh, saying that an experienced physician should be prescribing uh, cyclosporin. Okay, so again, very, very important to recognize uh, that this is a high-risk, um, potentially high-reward uh, medication. Adverse effect profile uh, similar uh, to tacrolimus. Hypertension, uh, that's going to be uh, a dose-dependent effect. As we escalate doses, the risk for raising blood pressure goes up as well. Uh, increase in, in blood sugar, uh, elevation in triglycerides, uh, electrolyte imbalances like hyperkalemia, uh, magnesium alterations, uh, GI upset uh, can go along uh, with the the toxicity uh, adverse effect profile. Uh, some rare ones like tremor, gingival hyperplasia, those have all been associated with the uh, use of, of cyclosporin. Again, there's an extremely long list of potential adverse effects with cyclosporin. One last one I, I did want to mention specifically uh, is renal impairment. So, as far as monitoring goes, you know, we're obviously going to want to look at renal function, uh, electrolytes I, I mentioned uh, concentrations of, of the drug, certainly, and particularly if we uh, adjust doses or we know there's been a period of uh, non-adherence or something's changed uh, with the, the medication that we're using, um, or if we change other medications that may uh, interact with cyclosporin, uh, If we change uh, the timing or how we're taking the medication, that might be another situation where we uh, might have our uh, alarm bells going off, saying, "Hey, you know, maybe we should uh, potentially check a level here because the patient isn't taking it as we uh, thought they they have historically been there." So, uh, very very important things to uh, monitor. Lots to monitor. Um, LFTs are also recommended. Uh, obviously, with potential increase in uh, blood sugars, we may periodically monitor uh, A1C, for example. Uh, Lipid levels, you know, with that uh, increased risk of of elevating triglycerides, uh, that's going to need to to be checked checked out periodically. So plenty uh, to monitor (laughs) Uh, with cyclosporine in addition uh, to those uh, drug levels or or trough uh, concentrations. And those levels are, I would say, are typically going to be um, more important Uh, in using this medication for organ transplantation um, than potentially for like rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis. Um, However, I will say it it is something that needs to be uh, paid attention to and we do not want to put patients um, into toxic levels for sure, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more um, after the the break here as far as drug interactions go. But again, I want to emphasize this is one of those drugs uh, that should just ring bells in your head as far as consistent administration and giving the same medication, okay? So different formulations of cyclosporin are going to have varying degrees of, of bioavailability. And, and so if you ever get in a situation where you see somebody switching uh, from one formulation to another, uh, we've got to check uh, those drug levels, we got to make sure everybody's on board with, with what's going on. Now, likely it's going to be an experienced physician um, making that change if there needs to be a change made for some reason. Um, however, we want to make sure that uh, everybody is on the same page and that uh, we're doing this intentionally and we're monitoring any transition uh, very, very closely. All right, so let's take that quick break and and let's wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material like NAPLEX, pharmacotherapy, ambulatory care, uh, psychiatric exam, uh, definitely go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. If you're a healthcare professional just looking to pick up clinical practice pearls uh, we've got a free audible book that you can definitely take advantage of if you've never tried audible before um, again you can go uh, check out our, our book on drug interactions uh, book on you know just clinical pearls and case studies pharmacotherapy or the thrill of the case um, all those links are at med 101.com slash store under our audible book section Follow that link, uh, snag your, your first book for free there, and if you want to continue on with Audible membership, you can do that, um, but you uh, do not have to, to pay a dime. You can cancel it um, and get that 6, 8, 10-hour book uh, absolutely for free there. So, in you know, all those resources, uh, metaed101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, so wrapping up drug interactions. We are going to have a Similar, pretty similar drug interaction profile uh, with tacrolimus. So CYP3A4 inhibitors are going to raise concentrations of cyclosporin. Uh, probably the the one I at least alert patients more so to uh, is grapefruit juice. So that is something that they could just pick up on their own, not be paying attention or forget they were educated about it and start drinking it, and it can significantly uh, raise concentrations of cyclosporine. Uh, if you're a healthcare professional trying to monitor these patients, maybe your primary care, uh, managing you know, hypertension or you know, an infection or something else, um, there's lots of different drugs that inhibit CYP3A4, uh, azole antifungals, um, even drugs like amlodipine or alprazolam. Uh, erythromycin, clarithromycin, all those drugs can potentially raise the concentration of cyclosporin and, and potentially put them into an area uh, where they're, they're becoming toxic because those drug levels go up too high. On the flip side, inducers, uh, phenytoin, carbamazepine, rifampin. We've got to be aware uh, if we've got a patient on immunosuppressive agents, uh, organ transplantation, and obviously on cyclosporin, uh, that uh, those drugs that are inducers can lower drug concentrations. Uh, live vaccines I discussed a, a little bit further in the the tacrolimus uh, podcast, so you might want to go check out check that out. Uh, echinacea I mentioned as well. Nephrotoxicity uh, is important with cyclosporin, and we can have those additive effects. From other agents, uh, NSAIDs, in you know combination with diuretics, in combination with ACE inhibitors, those can all raise the risk of renal impairment, and potentially uh, add on to the effects of cyclosporin. Uh, antibiotics, uh, I think of vancomycin, uh, aminoglycosides, gly- those can have that effect as well. Uh, in addition to potential renal effects. ACE inhibitors ARBs could potentially uh, exacerbate the hyperkalemic effect uh, from cyclosporin. Obviously, any other drug that can raise potassium levels like spironolactone um, can have that effect as well. Cyclosporin also does uh, some inhibitory effects on CYP3A4 itself. So drugs that are broken down by CYP3A4 um, kind of the classic common example uh, are certain statins, lovastatin, uh, simvastatin, atorvastatin. These are all broken down, uh, at least in part, by CYP3A4. So cyclosporin inhibiting CYP3A4 could significantly raise the concentrations of some of those statins. So very, very important uh, to think about all the, the drug interactions personally, as a uh, pharmacist, if I think a new drug is going to be added, or I'm recommending a new, you know, medication or over the counter, I'm going to do a quick drug interaction screen, Re- recognizing that, y- you know, you don't see cyclosporin, you know, unless you're in a transplant unit, you, know, you don't see cyclosporin uh, used every day. I mean, it's it's not an incredibly common medication, um, but it is an incredibly important medication as far as uh, drug interactions go and patient adherence and things of that nature. So very, very critical uh, that you're playing it safe and we are incorporating everyone in the healthcare team uh, if a new medication is going to be uh, started or changed and that we're aware of the potential for drug interactions all right so that's going to wrap it up for today if you enjoyed the podcast found it helpful uh definitely leave us a rating and review on itunes or wherever you're listening uh share us with a friend colleague of course go subscribe at reallifepharmacology.com and, and snag your free study guide there on the top 200 drugs absolutely no cost uh, to you at all uh if you've got comments questions if you think i got something wrong um which uh uh, does happen from time to time. Feel free to reach out to me at LinkedIn, uh, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCGP, BCPS. Uh, also, you can track me down at mededucation101 at gmail.com. In addition, if you've got questions about any of the, the books, study materials, anything we've got there, um, certainly don't hesitate to, to reach out as well. All right, I'm going to sign off for today. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen.